You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. You know, there are times in life when it looks like we're not winning. God years ago said this to me, and I'll say it to you. Just because it looks like you're losing doesn't mean that you are. Just because it looks like you're losing doesn't mean you are. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. We win. And no matter how things look right now, things are going to change. Things are going to change. So we're talking about worry or trust. How are you responding? Worry or trust? How are you uh, responding? We spent about two episodes, episode one and two on worry. Last episode, our third episode, we began to talk about trust. Today, we're going to talk about what does trusting God look like? Psalm 62, 8. Psalms 62, verse 8, in the New Living Translation says, Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Oh, my people, Trust in him at all times. Say all times. Come on, say, I'm going to trust God at all times. You know, all times mean we're to trust him when things are wonderful, things are going great in our lives, but we're also to trust him when things are not great, when things are not going well in our lives, and if we'll trust him, he'll turn things around for us. The scripture says, oh, my people trust in him at all times. I want you to say this after me. I will trust God at all times. Say it again. I will trust God at all times. Now, today, let's talk about what does trusting God look like? You know, we talk about trusting God and trust God. And sometimes we say, I trust God and we can be very flippant with it. Yeah, you trust God. I trust God. But what does trusting God look like? There are four components of trusting God, four components of trusting God. I'll give you uh, uh, an explanation of it, and then I'll give you an illustration. Four components, belief, acceptance, choice, dependency. Say that after me. Belief, acceptance, choice, dependency. Let's say it one more time. Belief, acceptance, choice, and dependency. If we're going to trust God, there must be belief, acceptance, choice, and dependency. Let's talk about belief. When we talk about belief, we're talking about a firm belief, a firm belief in God. In other words, we must have a firm belief in the reliability 
or the capacity of something, when we believe in it, we have a firm belief in the reliability and the capacity of something. Not only must we have a firm belief in reliability, a capacity, but if we're going to believe, and if, if it's someone, if it's a person, then we must have a firm belief in their willingness and capacity to help us. We must believe in their willingness and capacity to help us. So if we're going to trust God, then we have to have a firm belief in God's reliability. We must have a firm uh, belief in his capacity, and we must have a firm belief in his willingness to help us. The second component of trust and trusting God is acceptance. Acceptance. Acceptance simply means that I acknowledge my inability. I acknowledge my inability. I acknowledge my inability. In other words, I have to acknowledge my need to trust. Remember in our last episode, we said that to trust someone is to voluntarily make yourself dependent on that someone for some kind of outcome or some kind of result. So in, if I'm to, if I am to uh, trust someone, if I am to, I have to accept my inability. I have to accept my need. So if it's God, then I have to trust that in myself, I can't get the job done. I cannot be successful. I cannot win. You know, there is um, nothing good about people dying during this crisis, the coronavirus crisis. The last I heard, there were over 10,000 people who have died in our country and then multiplied thousands have died globally. There's nothing good about people dying I made a statement and I posted it, I tweeted it. I said that often our greatest challenges create our greatest opportunities. I said that when things look bad, look for good and you'll always find it. Now, the reason I said that, I wasn't talking about people dying. Our, the scripture says that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. The Bible says there has no temptation taken us, but it's common to man. And God will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but will always, with the temptation, make a way of escape. Now listen at those two verses. Where sin abound, grace doth much more abound. So no matter what's happening, there's some grace that's greater than what's going on. 
No matter what temptation or challenge we face, there's always a way of escape. That's what I mean by when things look bad, if you look for good, you'll always find it. Now, I said that to say this. To trust God, we must see our need for him and our own inability to win in this situation. And this is, if you allow me to say it like this, the positive that has happened to us in our country, uh, Christians, the unsaved, we're facing something that we do not have the ability in ourselves to overcome. Now, the positive in the situation is that this crisis has forced us, especially Christians, but more so others who are not saved, it has forced us to look outside of ourselves. And that's what trust is. You have to acknowledge your own inability. You know, people are asking for prayer now in places where they talked against it. Now, at one time, we couldn't pray in this place. We can pray in that place. You know, we can't say God. We can't say this. But now it seems like prayer is acceptable. Talking about God is acceptable because we see our inability. So trust, one of the main components of trust is that we have to acknowledge and accept the fact that we cannot handle the situation in our own ability, acceptance. The third component of trusting God is that it must be a choice. You see, trust is not automatic. It's not automatic. Trust is a decision. Trust cannot be forced on anyone. Trust is a choice. You have to choose to trust God because there are other things you could trust. You have to choose. It's not automatic. God will not force us to trust him. The fourth component of trusting anything and especially trusting God is dependency. Dependency. In other words, we must rely solely on him. And watch this. We must relinquish control. We must rely solely on him. Rely solely on him. We must rely solely on him and relinquish control. And you know, uh, for some of us, this is very difficult. This situation we're in, even for many of us that are, are believers, it's very difficult for us because we are addicted to convenience and some of us are addicted to control. We want to control everything. We want to map everything out. We want to make sure that we have our hands on it. We have to decide and we feel very comfortable when we can control things. And some of that is all right, but some of us are control freaks. You know, we, we, we have a control problem. 
But to trust God, you have to relinquish control. You have to rely solely on him. Now, from a scriptural standpoint, how do I know whether or not I'm depending, I'm depending on God? Well, listen to what the scripture says. In Psalms 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, no matter how hot things get. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, the scripture says. But notice it says that the blessed man meditates in the word day and night. Now, you can, you, you can just about tell whether or not you are trusting God in this season by how much time you're spending in the word. The man that's trusting God is meditating in the word day and night. In a season like this, in this high anxiety time that we're living in, with so much uncertainty, you and I, believers, should spend more time in the word, more time in the word, now, let's look at all four components, and let's put it to an illustration. In order to trust anything, and especially to trust God, we must have belief, a firm belief. Then secondly, we must have acceptance. And then thirdly, we must make a choice. And then fourthly, we must have dependency. Think about this. Let's put it in a natural illustration. Let's say you have in your house 20 to 30 feet ceilings. 20 to 30 feet ceilings, and one of your light bulbs go out in that 30 feet ceiling. Well, now think about it. You're going to need help to change that light bulb. Even if you're seven feet tall, you're going to need some help to change that light bulb. So you're going to need a ladder. So let's see. Are we going to trust the ladder? Well, first, we must believe in the ladder's reliability. We must believe that the ladder can hold our weight. So we'll check it out. We'll step on the first uh, step of it. It has to hold out our weight. And then it has to be tall enough for us to be able to stand on the ladder and change out the light bulb. So there must be a firm belief in the reliability and the capacity of the ladder to hold my weight, hold our weight, and then there must be the, the, the ability, the height of the ladder, it must be tall enough, so there must be a firm belief in the ladder. Then secondly, we must accept and acknowledge that without the ladder, we cannot change the light bulb. We can't change the light bulb without that ladder. So we have to accept, acknowledge our inability. And then third, we have to choose to get the ladder 
and we have to choose to stand on the ladder. The ladder is not going to make us come and pick it up. The ladder is not going to force us to get on the ladder. It is a choice that we make. And then thirdly, we must depend on the ladder. In other words, we must rely solely on the ladder. We stand up on the ladder, put our total weight on the ladder, go all the way to the top of the ladder. There's nothing holding us up but the ladder. We cannot trust the ladder with one feet on the step of the ladder and one feet on the floor. We have to put our whole weight on the ladder, and so it is with God. We have to put our whole weight on the ladder. We must trust God in difficult times. Say difficult times. We must trust him in difficult times. Now listen at this statement. Who we rely on in difficult times give definition to who we trust. Who we rely on, who you rely on, who I rely on in difficult times give definition to who we trust. I want to go back to a text that I read last week. It's the text where uh, Jesus instructed his disciples to cross the lake and a storm came down. I want to read Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. I want to read it again, and we're going to look at it from a total different angle. This is the Message Bible, Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. It says, one day, he, Jesus, and his disciples got in a boat. Let's cross the lake, Jesus said. And off they went. It was smooth sailing, and he fell asleep. A terrific storm came suddenly on the lake. Water poured into the boat, and they were about to capsize. They woke up Jesus, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Getting to his feet. Jesus told the wind silence and the waves quiet down. Silence, quiet down, and the waves did it. The lake became smooth as glass. Then he said to his disciples, why can't you trust me? And we said last in our last episode that Jesus expected them to trust him in difficult times. Say difficult times. This is no time to not trust God. This is no time to be lazy. This is no time to be slowful. This is no time to be asleep. This is no time to watch movies all day and all night long. This is warfare. Warfare. Come on, say warfare. Thousands are dying. When you are in a war, it is no time to take a break. No time. No time. 
Now, I, I was sharing this on a radio broadcast recently, and the Spirit of God showed me something, and I'd like to share it with you. I want to ask, two, uh, ask a couple of questions, and I want you to follow the questions. First qu- question is, what changed in this situation? And the second question was, what did not change? What changed? What did not change? So when we go back to our text, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, what changed? Well, the weather changed. It was good weather. They got in the boat. The weather was good. And it changed and turned into a terrific storm. Good weather, terrific storm. That was a change. What changed? The circumstances changed. The scripture says that there was smooth sailing. And then the next thing we know, the water began to pour into the boat and they were about to capsize. So the circumstances changed. What changed? Their emotional, the disciples' emotional state changed. They went from relaxing, smooth sailing to panicking. What changed? Their focus changed. They changed from trusting God to trusting their circumstances. From trusting God to trusting their circumstances. What changed? Their focus changed. Their focus changed. Their focus changed. Now, what did change in the same situation, the same boat? What did not change? Well, Jesus didn't change. In fact, he was just as cool as ever. The Bible said he took a nap. His peace didn't change. Even the circumstances around him did not take away his peace. His his level of authority didn't change. He got right up and he said, peace be still, quiet down, shut up, settle down. And there was a great calm. What didn't change? What Jesus said didn't change. Jesus says, let's cross the lake. Jesus didn't say, let's get in the boat, go middle way and drown in a storm. Jesus didn't say that. He said, guys, let's cross the lake. What Jesus said did not change. Situations changed, but Jesus didn't change. Got it? Now, let's, let's relate that to our situation today. This severe public health crisis, economic crisis that we're facing, you and I are facing. We're in the same foxhole. Now listen at this. What changed? When this coronavirus crisis hit globally, then hit America, what changed? What changed? School environments changed? Sure did. Kids are now at home. They're not going to school. Work environments changed. Many of us are working from home now. There's a stay-at-home and work, stay-at-home restriction. What changed? Businesses changed. You could no longer walk into a restaurant and sit down and eat in the restaurant. What changed? Church changed. They have told us to not have large gatherings to drop the curve of the spread of the virus. Now we're actually teaching online, preaching online, singing online. What changed? Travel changed. Now we can't, we don't go and get on a plane and and go to New York or or, or go to Europe or go 
travel has changed. What changed? Movement, movement restrictions now. We can't go this place. We can't go that place. And I'm telling you, these restrictions are for our good. Trust me, they're for our good. What changed? Gathering restrictions changed. They're saying don't gather in large groups because there are people who don't know they have the virus and they will spread the virus. That's what they're saying. So gathering restrictions. Social connections. We're not hanging out at parties. Shouldn't be anyway. We're not going over here to the club. We're not going to this. We're not going to that. So a lot of things have changed. And I know you're uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable and I love church. I love my church family. I like spending time. I love the people God has put under my jurisdiction. I love them. I, this is my family. And now I am unable to spend time with my family, my church family, and then other family members abroad. Think about it. It's uncomfortable. It's different. It's a change. But we got to talk about what has not changed. What has not changed? God hasn't changed. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. What has not changed? Jesus hadn't changed. The Bible said he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. What has not changed? The Holy Spirit has not changed. When the crisis hit, the Holy Spirit didn't leave us. He's still in you. He's still in me. The Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The Holy Spirit hadn't changed his position. The word hadn't changed. The promises of God haven't changed. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not change. That's what God said. So the word hadn't changed. God love haven't changed for us. The Bible says his love is an everlasting love. His ability hasn't changed. His willingness to help us have not changed. His resources haven't changed. Remember what he said? Remember, he said this before the crisis. He's saying this in the crisis. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need. Now listen, he didn't say according to the economy. He didn't say according to the president. He didn't say according to the Democrats or the Republicans. He didn't say according to the Congress. He didn't say according to your job. He didn't say according to your business. Philippians 4, 19 says, my God shall supply all our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And guess what? There's no crisis in heaven. There's no crisis. There's no shortage in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Our supply comes from heaven. Well, how's he going to do it? Tell me how's it. I don't know. I do not have a clue, but I'm in a great expectation. I'm in great expectation that God will supply everything that we need if we're trusting him. I got some more good news for you too, because I know some of you, you're scared. You're scared. You're scared. You're scared. And some of you actually think you're going to die, but you're not going to die. You're going to live and you're going to declare the works of the Lord. Here's some good news for you. God's destiny plan for your life has not changed. 
Everything God said to you about your life, everything he said to you about your destiny, it is going to come to pass. Jeremiah 1, God said to Jeremiah, before I form you in the womb, God said, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, God said, Jeremiah, I sanctified you and I ordained your prophet to the nations. Listen, God's plan for you was established before you were born. So God was able before any of this creation of anything, he looked down through human history and saw everything that would happen. And then he backed up and decided what he wanted you to do. And what he decided was not predicated on anything that happened in this earth because God decided your destiny before you were born, before there was any crisis, before any situation. And what God has decided will come to pass if you put your trust in him. Let's talk about some indicators of trust. There are two basic indicators of trust, and that is a fixed focus, say fixed focus, and peace. A what? Fixed focus and what? Peace. A fixed focus and peace. Listen at Psalms 112, 1. Psalms 112, 1 and verse 7, the traditional King James says, Bless is the man who fears the Lord. Now watch this, who delights greatly in his word. Verse seven says, he shall not be afraid. That's Psalms 112, verse seven. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His focus is fixed. He hears all the reports and, and all the statistics and everything, but his heart is fixed. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. The New Living Translation, Psalms 112, verse 7 says, they do not fear bad news. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. The second indicator of trust is peace. I'm telling you, it's a lot of anxiety, but it's our time. It's our time, saint. It's our time, believer. It's our time, Christians, to be witnesses. And a part of our witness is that we have peace. We're not walking around nervous. We're not walk, walking around uh, scared we're going to die. No, we have peace. Listen what the scripture says in the New Living Translation, Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3, the New Living Translation. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm going to say that again, and then I got to talk to you about that. Now watch this. The New Living Translation, Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all, A-L-L, all who trust in you, all, A-L-L, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, let me tell you something. 
I listen to the news because I want to, I'm a leader. I have a large um, congregation and I want to know what's going on. I want to be able to take my lessons and be able to navigate and give them encouragement based on what I hear. So, you know, we, my wife and I kind of decided we were going to give ourselves about 30 minutes in the afternoon to watch the afternoon news. And she hit a a, a time where she said, I can't, keep, I can't keep listening to this. But I kept on listening. Then the other day, I, I said, you shoot. I can't listen to this no 30 minutes. Ain't no way in the world. You see, the Bible says that God will keep them who trust in him in perfect peace. Watch this. Whose thoughts are fixed on God. And here's what I learned. When I get up in the morning and I get in the word, get in my healing prosperity and faith series, my mind is focused on what God says. And I can go through that day without fear, without anxiety. But if I become fixated on that news 24 hours a day, you will be terrified. The scripture says God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on the word. You got to spend more time in the word. That's what I'm saying. Now, I want to I want to call I want to close by saying something. And this is very important. Now, this is very important. God has made a commitment to deliver his trusting people. Say that God has made a commitment to deliver his trusting people. Now, make it personal. God has made a commitment to deliver me, trusting person. I'm a trusting person. Now watch this. In our last episode, I said, in October the 2nd, year 2000, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, economic upheaval is coming. And many in my church heard me say that. But God also said something to me, and I want to share that with you. God said a few years later, November the 11th, 2004, four years later, I keep a journal. He said provision is coming. Provision is coming. Just the other day, the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said all debts are canceled. Oh, that's what I'm confessing now. I'm confessing provision. I'm confessing all my debts are canceled. I think you ought to start confessing that too. All debts. I didn't just make that up. The Spirit of God said that. He said all debts are canceled. That's what he said. All debts are canceled. Now watch this. God is committed to, to delivering his trusting people. Not just his people, but his trusting people. Now I want to give I want to give you two examples of it, and then I'll close. God has made made a a commitment to make a distinction between his people and the people in the world. Now Exodus eight twenty one Exodus eight twenty one the New Living Translation says the Egyptians' homes were filled with flies, verse 22. But this time, God says, 
I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Verse 23, I will make a clear distinction. This is what God says. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people, Pharaoh. Wow. God has made, have made a commitment to make a clear distinction between his trusting people and others. There were flies all in Egypt, and God says in Goshen, that's where God's people were. In Goshen, he said there will be no flies. He made a distinction. Now, God loved everybody, but everybody wasn't under the blood. Everybody didn't have the lamb. You have the lamb. You have the blood. You have it. And my son taught there a few weeks, a week or so ago. We have angels around us. Wow. You see, God has made it a decision to make a clear distinction between you if you trust him. Now, the last statement I want to make. Jesus prayed something, and I'll close with this. Jesus prayed something in John 17. 15, 17. My wife quotes part of this often. Here's what Jesus said in John 17, verses 15 through 17. He was praying to God the Father. He said, I pray not that, that you should take them out of the world, but I'm praying, Father, that you keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, Father, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let's look at that. Jesus was praying to the Father, and if you read John 17, he was not just praying for his disciples, but he said, I'm praying for all those who will hear what you're saying. That's us. He said, I'm praying for, every, I'm praying for my children that will come along. He said, I pray not that you take them out of the world. God's not going to take us out. No, no, he's not going to take us out. He's not going to take us out. I know some of you think that this is the time of the rapture, but it's not the time of the rapture. No, this ain't the end. This is not the end. The Bible says the gospel must be preached in all the earth, and then the end will come. This is not the end. Trust me. There are millions of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. This is not the end. So he says, now, I'm not praying that you take them out. So he ain't going to take, he ain't going to rapture us out. He said, but I am praying that you keep or protect them from the evil that's in the world. He said, they are not of the world. I'm not of the world. No matter what Satan throwed at Jesus, it did not stop his destiny. He said, the prince of this world, Jesus said, the prince of this world come. He has nothing in me. Listen, the devil has nothing in you. Nothing, nothing. He has nothing in you. So the Bible says that we are not of the world, even as Jesus is not of the world. And then he says, sanctify them. Set them apart. Set them apart from the evil that's in the world. How? Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word, the Bible, is the truth. Man, I'm telling you, we do have an advantage, and I appreciate this opportunity that you've afforded us, me to share. Um, if you have any questions, I want you to send your questions because we've learned about 
belief and acceptance and choice and dependency. We've learned that we have to trust him in difficult times. We've learned that God has not changed in this situation. We've learned the indicators of trust. And then we've learned that God has made a commitment to deliver his trusting people. Thank you so very much. Now in our next episode, we're going to wrap this trust thing up. We're going to show you the conditions of trust, how to build it, how to develop our trust. I love you. Thank you so very much for uh, listening to this podcast. And please share it with someone. Got a few questions. We have family members working in the healthcare system. And my aunt was just diagnosed with having COVID-19. She trusts God but a lot of people are not taking this virus seriously. How do we convince people that we know to take this more seriously? That is a wonderful question. You know, all we can do is keep telling people. I mean, you you just have to keep shouting. You just have to keep shouting to your family, to your friends, Every time I see members of my church, I'll say, are you, are you distancing yourself socially? You know, are you doing it? I think as pastors, we're going to have to be telling our congregations that there's a natural side to this thing. Uh, some people think it's a hoax. Some people think it's a gimmick. Some think, think it's politics. But the last I heard, there were over 10,000 people in our, in our country who died. I asked this question recently, how many people have to die before we take it seriously? You know, we can't force people to take it serious, but you need to take it seriously. You need to distance yourself, wash your hands, avoid, avoid shaking hands, give them a, give them a, a, a air hug, give people an air hug and, and do what you need to do. But I want to encourage you to spend more time in the word more time in the word and pray for people, pray for people, be an example to the very best of you can and share it, share what you're learning, send it to somebody. And I believe we'll we'll do our best. Amen. Love you.